welcome to Black Money Talks Podcast. Black Money Talks is your real talk about money. We cover mindsets, culture, belief system, success nuggets, breakthrough moments, disappointments, failure, money ideas, and building generational wealth. It's a deep dive session to educate, inspire, and empower you to grow and multiply your money. Grow from financial survival to financial stability to financial sustainability, from prosperity to prosperity. Join your host, Deji Nehan, as he takes you on life-transforming experiences to talk about money and how to make money work better for you. If you want to go from money disaster to money masters, your host, Deji Nehan, join him as he interviews champions, thought leaders, and change makers in their children's fields who have created an enviable platform for success that we can all learn from. His mission is to make you live more wealthy, happier, and also have a fulfilled lifestyle. Hello and welcome to Black Money Talks, where we talk about making money, growing money, with a focus on the next generation. Today on our show, we have Toyin Devinson, a hero, who started without being sure of what career she wants to pursue, but she got into property litigation by the help of someone believing in her. She was able to grow her business into a team and help many landlords to support them on their property and property litigation matches. She found her passion in property development and she started off with doing videos just to create awareness, just to help others along the way. That small little idea have turned out to be what we now call the property pillars. So Tony Davidson is the founder of Property Pillars, where she brings people that are interested in property together and they work on projects and they have a power team to support that. Today, you will learn a lot. Even if you are not looking into property investment, you will learn about our decision to transition from our business, the property litigation business, into property development and how she has followed her passion. You will learn a lot about our growing up days and how that have informed who she is today. Um, just along the way as well, we know that there are setbacks along the way and she will know how she has dealt with setbacks and she is where she is today. So it was a fantastic episode and you will learn a lot. So let's welcome in and dive into the section with Tony Davidson and you. And if this is your first time and you've not um, liked Black Money Talks before, please subscribe and let others know about this. We are wanting to transform the black community by bringing awareness around money, around mindset, around generational wealth. So join along and invite others as well. Thank you as you listen to this episode. Hello, welcome to Black Money Talks podcast. Black Money Talks is your real talk about money. We cover mindsets, culture, belief system, success nuggets, breakthrough moments, disappointments, failure, money ideas, and building generational wealth. It's a deep dive session to educate, inspire, and empower you to grow and multiply your money. Grow from financial survival to financial stability to financial sustainability, from prosperity to prosperity. Join your host, Deji Nehan, as it takes you on life-transforming experiences to talk about money and how to make money work better for you. If you want to go from money disaster to money masters, your host, Deji Nehan, 
join him as the institute's champions, thought leaders, and change makers in their chosen fields who have created an enviable platform for success that we can all learn from. His mission is to make you live more wealthy, happier, and also have a fulfilled lifestyle. Good evening, Tony. Hi, how are you doing, Deji? I'm very good. Are you going live on yours now? Yeah, my, I'm live on my Instagram page. That's very good, yeah. Good to have you again. Really appreciate you making up the time. And um, thank you for joining us again. For those joining for the first time, this is Black Money Talks, where we talk about money in the Black community. And our focus is helping others to start creating better money values um, and preparing for the next generation. So we love to talk about generational wealth, what we are doing at our time to make sure the next generation is a lot better. So um, today I've got a lovely um, lady that's going to introduce herself shortly and we would learn as much as we can as usual. Thank you again for coming. We really appreciate your time. Um, please, if you could just give us a brief intro about you, then we'll take it from there. Okay, thanks, Deji, for inviting me to join your platform. Um, thanks so much again. Uh, my name is Tony Davidson Iro. Um, I'm a lawyer, property litigation lawyer by profession. Uh, I've been practicing for over 20 years. I specialized in the area of landlord and tenant and property related matters. Um, I'm the founder and owner of a property club, an online property club called Property Pillars. And that's my background. Thank you very much. I'm sure we have quite a lot to talk about today. So um, one angle is to talk about your recent stuff around property. But I would like to get to know how you moved from being a property lawyer into property fully, as in doing some deals yourself. So that would be a good angle to go. Well, before we go there, I always like to ask a question. Um, and some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness trust upon them. How would you consider yourself? <laughs> a hustler. Hustler. <laughs> None okay. of the above. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that then. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't. Well, I wasn't born great, and greatness wasn't thrust upon me. Um, I, I just believe I. Um, I've targeted my mind to achieve great things and I've just been working focused on doing those things so yeah that's great, that's great to know Yeah. so um, I know you've given us a brief background into what you do currently and um, maybe in your adult life as well I'd like to take some step back to look into where it all started what informed the decision what were you like when you were growing up? Is there anything in your growing up days that made you who you are now? Maybe made you understand you'll be a lawyer or is that something that happened afterwards? Or just, just to be into your background so that we can understand better how you grew up. Some, for some people, it might be positive or negative that kind of shaped them to where they are now. So it'll be good to know how that was for you when you were growing up. Um. As a, as a child, uh, I was really somebody that was very well behaved um, always wanting to stay in line. I was very fearful of authority. I wasn't something that challenged 
adults. I was the type of person that um, I, I won many badges at school, put it that way, for courtesy, for behavior, for handwriting every year. Well, most of my school, I, I used to get badges on my blazer. <laughs> so I wasn't, um, uh, I wasn't very academic. I have to tell you that I was not above average. I struggled in many subjects and I, in fact, they used to give me awards for, for endeavors <laughs> and working hard because I, I naturally wasn't um, academic. I just struggled with some very simple concepts and most difficult concepts I found easy. So my childhood was good. I, I was at boarding school from the age of seven in Sussex. Obviously, I was, I was raised here all my life. So all my life, I would say I've had a pretty fairly balanced life. I had the benefit of being able to travel with my family on holidays every year to like Switzerland, America, Austria on holidays and having a, quite a comfortable upbringing with two older brothers and myself. So, you know, we're very blessed. Thank you for, for sharing that. So was it anybody in your lawyer, in your family that inspired you to become a lawyer? Is that just something that happened along the way? So for a lot of people, it may be their parents or maybe someone they see around. Is that, is that anything for you that informed you'll be a lawyer someday? Uh, really, no. It's my, Mine was very accidental. Like I said, I wasn't academic in any way. And I was worried that I couldn't get the A-levels to do a degree in law. But I was very uh, fortunate because as part of my work experience um, requirement as a 16-year-old leaving school, I had to get work experience uh, with an organization. And the organization that offered me work experience was a firm of solicitors in Streatham. So I went along for two-week work experience as a young 16-year-old girl, thinking I would never practice law. This was just two weeks I needed to fulfill. But I was there and I was exposed to quite a lot of interesting cases. And whilst I was there, the partner took a liking to me. The lady owned the firm and she practiced property. She practiced litigation. And I was able to come under her wings. And from doing two-week work experience, she offered me a job with her, um, working during the summer holidays and during half turns um, as a, a clerk. We used to call it clerk in those days, outdoor clerk. So that's how I started thinking, maybe I can qualify and work to become a lawyer because Jackie was one, and she was my boss and I loved her very much. So it's on the back of the experience I had with Jackie, who was my mentor, my very close um, career guide. I decided, let me, try and fulfill a degree in law and I worked hard I got the A-level grades I required to my own expect surprise and I was able to do a degree in law and from there go to qualify and admitted in October 1999. That's a very good thing and that's one of the reasons I like um, bringing people on this platform um, there's a lot that others could do to help someone coming up and that's I mean we've seen the example of someone um, without knowing you transformed who you are today in terms of giving you the inspiration to become a lawyer and you said you even surprised yourself that you could actually go to study law so that's 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 why I I for one say that that's a generational wealth someone taking a liking to you and bringing you to a standard where you you can look back and appreciate 
our time in your life. So that's exactly why we're doing this. For someone listening, they might be able to pick one thing and be like, oh, wow, if Tony could do that, I can do the same thing. And that's the generational wealth transfer I'm really keen on. So thank you for sharing that. That's quite um, a, a wonderful thing to share. So, so now that you are a lawyer, I mean, I'm not saying now, but when you became a lawyer, can you tell us a bit about that? How was it for you? Did you, did you continue working under the mentorship of, um, of the lady Jackie, or what did he? How did you go in your law practice? Once I qualified, I was very fortunate. Um, I went into the corporate sector as the head of the legal department for a very large blue chip organization. That was my first, after I'd, I was admitted, that was the first job I got heading the legal department for this multinational company. Um, so my responsibility was to manage a team of uh, assistants, legal assistants, and do all the company, the corporate legal work that came um, into the organization. So I did that um, for about two years. And around that time, I got married and I started having my children. And that was when I gave up the high powered career in the corporate world. And I started to rethink how I would um, spend more time with my baby in the home. And then I started considering doing something for myself that was flexible. So that was, uh, my, that started my journey to becoming a self-employed entrepreneur. It was that junction. That's, that's very good. So as a self-employed, did you turn up with anybody? Did you have your own practice? And what was it like back in the days um, starting a business as within, especially within the law um, framework? Uh, it was a struggle because I had the baby on my arms. I had no business knowledge because I'd been working in the corporate sector. Everything was provided, support was provided for me. And I had an idea. And the idea was to build relationships with landlords and investors, and hopefully they will give me business. And that's what I started to do. I'd literally go to BNI networking events that didn't work at the time but I started calling landlords just by sending text messages or um, cold calling them say hi my name is Tony I'm a property litigation executive if you ever have a problem with this 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 and this I would like to be remembered by you and on the back of that I started meeting a few landlords I started meeting a few investors who would say come on you um, sounded interesting let's talk and the database of landlords just grew and grew and grew um, to whatever 2000 that I probably represented over the last 20 years. Okay, thank you. So you, I mean, from what you said earlier, you hustled your way in um, without, without the support of a blue chip company to give you all the support yes. you need. You, you pick things up and you're able to grow. And, um, and I know a lot of people are listening and they are thinking, um, when, I don't have enough resources to start my own business. What would you encourage them to do? I mean, like when you started, did you start with a lot of money or what exactly? So what, what would you uh, I, I just started? When I started, I had no money. I had a baby that was six months old and I had a few contact numbers and I had a computer and the desk and the phone. And there was nothing there other than a bank account that had no money in it. I'd open a limited company, open a bank account. And I was just, in fact, I remember very clearly one of my friends, 
I used to have a friend called Jambia and she used to come and visit me because she liked my baby. My baby was cute then. Uh, although the baby is now 19, but that's another story. She'll come and visit me. And I said to Jambia, um, Jambia said, how's business going to him? I said, well, between now and next month, I don't know if I'm going to have money because I haven't, nobody has called me. <laughs> so I was really living by faith. But I was on maternity leave as well. I remember, so I had salary for my maternity, but I was bored and I was ready. And I knew that after my maternity leave was over, I didn't want to return back to the career that I had. I didn't want to do that heavy job. So I had to just, and I remember she said, so how's it going? I said, it's not going too well. <laughs> I haven't got any clients. <laughs> I, haven't, I don't know how I'm going to do next month. And so I was keeping the tabs of inquiries, the phone calls, and I will literally sit there thinking, who's going to call me? What's going to happen? But it's all changed. Within a year or two, I was facing expansion. Um, at the peak of the business, I had well over three or four members of staff working from my home which by now I'd converted into the move from the room, bedroom, into the study, move from the study into the double garage, which I've now converted into a fully fledged office with myself and two members of the team and two other members of the team who worked externally um, to, the, to the business. Um, and thank God, what, we're, what, 19, 18 years later, we're still here. That's a wonderful story. Just, um grinding it all the way. Um, but maybe one smart thing was you had a cushion to say, I'm still in maternity, I'm going to do everything I can within this period to establish myself or get going because for a lot of people, it might be difficult to um, take the decision to leave their job to pursue their dream or a new career. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good thing you were able to do. Good. So, yeah, so how did you then transition into... Um, more into property. When I mean more into property, you having to have your own um, property club. How did it all start? I know you've been dealing with landlords, but what was the transition from doing uh, property litigation, helping landlords? What was the transition for you to now have more into property investment and the, the things you do now? Um. What was going on at the time in my life was I had been practicing law for so long. It didn't seem to excite me anymore. It looked like it was a routine thing and I wanted to do something different. So I think it was about three or four years ago, I started making some YouTube videos with my phone and my daughter actually opened the YouTube channel for me. So I'd make a video, she would edit it and we'll post it on. And then from those videos, we got about six, seven views initially then it would go to a couple hundred. Some of the videos got over three to 4,000 views later. But what was happening was from those who followed my videos, a few of them will contact and say they'd like to meet me to take uh, action on the things that I had talked about in the video, you know. And I decided, instead of me seeing everybody individually, let's meet in the hotel room and see if we can work together and I'll advise everybody together. That's how the idea of um, Property Pillars Club came about. The YouTube channel was called Property Pillars. And it just made sense to call it Property Pillars Club. And the reason why I call it Property Pillars is because apart from the fact it rhymed, I thought, well, if you want, you do property, the pillar is the strongest element of the property. It's sure. the foundation, it keeps it strong. And I just thought it had a nice ring to it. 
pillar of strength, pillar of life, pillar of God, all of those things. So that's just really how that name stuck in my mind. And we created some banners, we created some logos around it. And that's how the, the, the club was created. When the club was created, I really didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't going into it um, at the time to create a club. I went into it just as a place where we'll all meet. But every month, more people joined. So maybe we started with six people and the following month, 14 and 20 and then 50. And they started and then clearly we had a small business on our hands. Um, and then I had to begin to look at ways to um, run it a lot more efficiently, create websites that um, supported the systems, have the members get, um, join and pay the training, the CRMs, all the things that make a business operate the way it should. And that's how, uh, what, two years now, the club has now grown. Uh, quite a lot of us now are part of the club. And within the club, again, organically we've moved, not because I wrote it on the business plan and said, this is where we are now. This is where we want to be in two years' time. I didn't write anything down. I was just going with the flow. But why, where we're at now is within the club membership, we are interested in developing we are interested in putting the money into development and we have partners with developers or within the club who do projects so they'll bring their projects we will finance it with their money and we'll share the profits and we've got about nine of those live projects all around the UK and London operating as we speak so we've done successfully one completed the other ones are still ongoing at the moment so that's how that evolved it wasn't something I planned it wasn't something I saw but it just emerged as the the business grew that's what the business needed and that's what the members wanted and that's what we had okay thank you for sharing that um I've seen a few of your videos around what you do currently in um, Facebook and I feel you're doing fantastically well um, for those listening and might be interested in exploring what property pillars do, could you break that down a little bit more? So do your members, do they put resources together as in money together as a financial project or what, how does it happen? And for people that might be interested in networking with other property like-minded people, if you could share how they can reach out. And I know we would add all of this in the show notes. So. Uh, please, if you could. Well, the Property Pillars Club is a members-only club. The aim of the club is to mainly three things, to provide property training, to introduce investment opportunities to its members, and to also allow the members to network. The club is open for anybody anywhere in the world, so you don't have to be geographically located in the UK to benefit, because all our events are now carried out online via Zoom. You get access to the online training platform. You get access to the deals on the special WhatsApp group and get access to our monthly Zoom events, which we engage with other members. And all the services that relate to property, whether it's convincing you want, whether it's letting your property, whether it's builders, whether it's surveyors, whether it's architects, whether it's financial planners, within the community, you will get all those experts there. They will be able to support you. And so you don't have to go far for your power team. So the organization is designed to mutually benefit its members and surround them with powerful people 
that can help them achieve their objectives. So if people are interested in the Property Pillars Club, they should visit the website and um, read up about our background, uh, www.propertypillarsclub.com, and then have a 15-minute consultation, which is one of the things that we offer at the moment. Fill that for me, and myself or a member of my team will give them a call just to sort of help them understand a bit more about what we do. Thank you for sharing that. Is there a minimum amount of money people need to consider to say, yeah, I will be, I will be eligible for this kind of network and um, deals that might be available? Is there a minimum? The, we have projects, the minimum entry of which are about £5,000, um, which is um, part of the uh, Godwin Developments um, uh, crowdfunding platform doing the development on the Rushton Northamptonshire service station. Um, we also have projects that require you some entry levels about £20,000, which are giving a return about 20%. Um, we've got projects in Woods and Green, Potters Bar, Streatham, Finchley, the Wirral, Boston, Lancashire, um, Nottingham, um, Crystal Palace, um, Hunstanton in Peterborough, uh, let me think what else have I mentioned. <laughs> We've got quite a few projects. It's all, all on our website. So if you have a look on our Property Pillars website, under the investment section, you will see all the live projects that we have at the club available for investors with details of the entry criteria for each. And thank you for sharing that. And um, there's something clearly you said earlier on. The reason you put this together was people asking, what can we do? What, what is the next level? How can we take action on everything you're teaching on your YouTube um, channel? So if there's anybody out there that has been thinking, I want to take action to move things forward, this might be the right thing for you. So you might just want to have a 15 minutes consultation first and see how that works for you. So um, mm -hmm. thank you very much. We're going to include all of that in the show notes. And thank you for creating the platform for others to learn uh, because that's really, really fundamental, especially in property and um, the network as well. So thank you for that. And um, if, if I'm just to, just to understand, I know you, you, you mentioned quite a bit of projects there. Do you still practice your property litigation or what percentage of that is your business still and what percentage is fully on property development? Deji, I have to confess, I am too busy these days. Um, I have uh, employed lawyers who now, although we still take the work, we still have inquiries for me to do a lot of the work, but I've taken on staff who can run the legal side now because I found myself too busy to do that. So the answer is yes, and the answer is also no. So if I get that right, you still have your business, but you set up to be more as a stakeholder where other people are doing the daily operation. Yeah. Which is, which is a fantastic thing to do. If anybody have not read the book, Built to Last, uh, I would recommend it highly. It's um, the concept of building businesses that would last, that would outlast you. That's the concept. So you want to start a business, but you want to put the right operation in place to make sure that if you are not within the business, the business can still run. So that would be a good book for anybody thinking about generational wealth, for anybody thinking about how can I build a business that is going to last for a long time. So well done on doing that. Thank you again.
is it? I mean, looking at what you do now, and I wanted to get some clarity on that. So is it more because you have more passion for the property development side that's I know you said it got to a time where everything was looking like a routine. And that's one of the reasons you bring that. And um, maybe for a lot of people, sometimes they have that conflict in, should I do this now? Should I still spend my time on this? Why, what do you think is the driving force for you moving towards the property development angle? Uh, it was, I found it very easy. Um, and I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed being able to bring people together to see them do something phenomenal together. It was more to do with here is a project that needs funding. It's got great returns, great security. Here is a developer that's running the project. Here is a man who's got money who wants to see a better return, but doesn't have time to look for a developer. So bringing both people who had the same mutual interest together and, and nurturing them or creating the platform for them to be able to come together was why I currently benefit from. So the platform property pillars brings like-minded people with true professional people and together they do a lot of great business. So that's what I'm very happy to be part of that. That's really good. Very transformational. So doing what you enjoy more of. And you can see the transformation is bringing to others. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's for me, you, it, it might not be something you, people say often, but people that you are mentoring, you are providing a bridge for them to go to the next level, which is sure. quite an interesting thing. And this is, again, tying into the fact that for some, I mean, it's a generational thing. You are possibly changing the generation of some people that would not, necessarily have taken the action on their own because some people need to bunch together with others for them to move forward. So I, I really agree with you. The transformation makes the whole difference. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a feeling that you can't, you can't quantify sometimes, but it's just, it's just a driving force. So, mm -hmm. and I mean, you, they've got the professional that understand property litigation and understand the different aspects and putting all that together for them to work on. So, yeah, they can't. They can't get it better. To be fair, so, <laughs> well done on that. So, I know. I mean, we we'll be talking about how you started, talking about how you are growing, talking about what you do currently. Is there any point that you felt I can't move on again? This is this is too much. Um, is there any breaking point? Uh, maybe any failure point you remember or something catastrophe that happened that could have stopped your business or your ideas or your passion? Is there anything you remember? Because I always say, I mean, while success looks easy, um, success is not overnight. And when people say I have an overnight success, I say maybe it's 19 years in the making. <laughs> only just come to your awareness today. So what was that like for you? Was there any major setback that you can remember? I had a meltdown some time ago when I was very tired. You know, when you put so much energy and time and funding into things, and you don't see a return. You begin to ask, why am I doing this for everybody? Why am I doing this for everybody? So, yes, I did have a meltdown sometime last December, this time last year. <laughs> and I said to myself, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I, I've quit. <laughs> 
And I said to myself, I don't want to be responsible for making other people millionaires on the back of my own hard work. What, why am I putting all these people together? I was just making YouTube videos and they started calling me, what's my own? <laughs> so, but what, what happened was something went inside me that changed when I was speaking to some of the people who was closest to me about my feelings and I could see the, the sadness, the overwhelming disappointment and sadness that I'd caused them to the extent that two of them were saying, so where would we go? What would we do? You know, we've been doing this together for two years now. And if you go, what, what's happened to all of us? We're all like, you know, <laughs> it's like you set up a church. You say, right, no more church. Where, where does all the members go? <laughs> so it was a bit like that. And I was able to appreciate that it's not just about me. It wasn't a me thing. It's about the people who had created bonds, relationships, friendships, businesses together. And it wasn't for me to say, I don't want to do it anymore. It, it, it doesn't do, it doesn't work. That doesn't wash. <laughs> These guys are doing projects. They're going out, drinking, integrating with each other's families. They're having fun together. They're learning together. And they want this platform to continue. The ones who are benefiting are benefiting. If you're active, you're active. If you're not active, you're not active. But the ones who are active all day long, they're doing great things together. So when I saw that, I realized that actually, there is value in continuing with this. It isn't just about a me thing. It's just about taking it to where I really want it to be and being able to monetize it so I don't get drained, exhausted and disappointed. So the last probably year or so, I've been looking for ways to, uh, part of my ambition is to give up my career as a property lawyer and full-time concentrate on building the Property Pillars Club. So I've been able to successfully begin to move into that and um, been able to see the monetization to compensate for my career change. So we're okay, we're getting there. We're okay. <laughs> That's very good. Um, I would say it's quite important for people to uh, be able to move their passion into profit as well. So while the idea might start as a passion, it's to avoid being overwhelmed by avoid being born out you still need the cash flow to make life flow in a good way so mm. yeah that's an important um, aspect people need to recognize and yeah yeah so one year on it looks like you've come out a lot better um you've come out sometimes we get to a point where we make a decision for like um you know what if i can't go back i'm going forward and i'm going full force which <laughs> which really helps sometimes. So it's good sometimes to get to a point where you feel like, I, I need to reflect, I need to review things, I need to take a different perspective from this. And it's always useful when you have people around you that can share in that journey, that can give you a different yeah. perspective. So you feel like, you know what, yeah, you might feeling overwhelmed, but this is what we are getting from this. This is what would be like, this is what people would miss out. And they might be able to tell you, this is where the future is for you. So um, I always say we need to surround ourselves with the right people. We need to surround ourselves with the right mentor. Um, sometimes it might be people above you that can see where you're struggling. Sometimes it might be people that are in the same level that wants to push each other along the way. So um, I always recommend that. And um, I think that's one of the um, strong points of what you provide in terms of your property pillar club. So that's... Um, that's quite useful. Thank you for that. So you mentioned you might want to go 
full time now. Do you have a timeline to that? What's your target to say oh, I, have... I want to go full time property pillars, property development, and the like? I don't doubt the word full-time. I'm more than full-time. I'm Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, morning, day, night. Look at here. I'm on this interview show. I get invited to interview shows more now. And this is out of office hours. So what do you call this? Full-time, extra time, overtime, overpay, underpay. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that comes with the, with the role. You, you, when, you, when you're doing something that you're an entrepreneur and you're passionate about, it's not about the time that you put into it. Is about achieving the objective and the results. And that is why I, I strive. So I am very full-time. I'm more than full-time on this passion of mine. And um, it's something that I love and I'm happy to continue to, to, to support. That's good. That's good. So um, I know perspective dictates quite a lot of things. Perspective determines what you see or how you see things. And um, for you, looking at perspective you have now, looking at your past experiences, um, looking at where you are now, looking at the mistakes, the trials, the tribulations, the successes, everything. What would you do differently if you have to start all over again? And I ask this question <laughs> that there might be someone listening there, they're just about to start their career, and they don't know, they don't have a perspective you have now. So uh, I'd like to know, what would you do differently? if you have to start all over again? I think looking back now, I could have benefited, although I was a lawyer, I didn't really have um, the knowledge of how to set up and grow a business. Sounds particularly strange. I was trained as a lawyer, so I practiced law, and I was successful in that field. One thing I lacked significantly was the skill of being able to grow a business and scale it up and monetize it. I didn't have those skills. So I must have had to go back to school, put myself through mentorship training, which is still ongoing now, and make sure I'm able to, I suppose, being a fish in a, in a goldfish pond, being able to take myself away from the business and now start the process of growing it to the point where eventually one day, we could step away from it and let the club run itself. So if there's anything I regret or something I could change, I wish I'd done some sort of business course uh, or management course or PhD or something that prepared me more in line of entrepreneurship, which is where I now sort of find myself. That's the only thing I would change. But apart from that, there's nothing else I would change. That's good. I mean, one of the reasons we do this is to share knowledge, to share wisdom. Uh, unfortunately, in the school, there is nothing called financial education, and uh, which is which is quite an important thing. We a lot of people, a lot of us go to school and come out of school to start learning how to make money or how to manage money, which is why a lot of people struggle with that aspect in their life. So while there might be um, business classes, business courses. Sometimes they say it's, be, it's been out there, been in the grind of things that actually tell, teaches you more than you will learn in a class. So maybe you've not actually missed out anything. It's uh, a collection of everything you are now informed you're going forward because sometimes you learn from the doing aspect 
you learn from the mistakes, you learn from other things. But it might be, as you have known, it might be wiser sometimes to learn from others. So the best investment we can always have is investing in ourselves. And you've, you've, okay. you've, you've shown that, you've done that. So um, I really like that. And I hope somebody would learn. Sometimes it's just picking a book to learn about, about the book, then moving forward on that. So self-education mm. uh, will take you further than your formal education. So, yes. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. If you want to look at, I mean, you, you, you've been a lawyer, you've done litigation, you've been, um, you've seen um, what life is for different people, different landlords and stuff. What do you think is the biggest thing that's stopping people from achieving the desired lifestyle? Um, a lot of people say, I love to be this. I love to be able to do that. But from your experience, what stops people from achieving their goals or achieving the lifestyle that they would wish to have? Mm. I think it's a combination of fear and know-how. Mm. Some people have the combination of two. Some people have one and the other. They fear, um, not risk takers, or not prepared to take the chance, or they don't have the knowledge. They're bold, but they just don't have the knowledge. So those two things, I think, is what sets people back. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So fear, um, yeah, it's 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 a big thing. Um, fear of failure, fear of what would people say, fear of so many things. And interestingly, for some, fear of success. What if I succeed in this? What? Um, how would I turn out? Would I lose my friends? Would I lose this? Would I be seen? as um, too proud, whatever it is. So for some, it might be, um, would I still be spiritual? Would I still remain, maintain my God, um, God relationship and so many things? So yeah, mm. you kind of nailed that um, right. So know-how is another aspect to say your skill set is quite important. And mm. I always say, I mean, what know-how is important? You, I think combination of both, we'll be thinking about the mindset. Um, people are stuck in their mindset as well. So mm -hmm. I would say that's kind of the overarching um, things that stop people. Then they fear, then they know how. Because if you know enough, you'll be able to do something. So take, for example, your property pillars. If you see others doing stuff, if you're in the environment where people are taking action, you mm -hmm. would, in a way, want to take step one, sure. move to the next step and stuff. So that is, yeah. that is sometimes what people are missing because... If you have the skill set, maybe the fear level will reduce. And I always say something about calculated risk. Uh, there would always be risk. Um, even if you put your money in a bank, it, mm -hmm. the risk is inflation could happen. The not could happen. Inflation would always happen. So you are getting lesser than you put in. The risk is the banks could fold up and you might not, if you have more than 85,000, you might not be able to. There's so many risks involved in that. Mm -hmm. So it's people knowing that, okay, I know enough. How can I mitigate that risk? What can I do? Maybe it's joining a mentorship program, property mm -hmm. pillars to say, yes, I'm in the right group. This will give me the knowledge. This will give me the support I need, and I'll be able to move forward. So mm -hmm. um, that's quite important. So if anybody is thinking of, yes, I want to change my lifestyle. I want to move my life forward. And you are stuck around 
your fears, you stuck around your um, skill set, and again, maybe around your mindset, you might want to start reviewing that and take action on that. So sometimes we know these things, but it's not, we don't take conscious effort on it. So it's quite important that we understand what's stopping us and we can take conscious effort on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's quite useful. So um, there's this aspect I like bringing up as well. So you're black, you, you have lived your, your life in the UK and uh, what are different aspects of people's perspective about the question I'm going to ask. How in any way as your being black, your cultural background, your belief background, how has that affected your growth initially in your professional career, maybe in the corporate world, or now with what you do? Do you, do you have any positive, any negative, or a combination of both? Yeah, that was the question that you asked me before, and I looked at it, and the more I think about it, I might give an answer that people will not like, which was, I didn't grow up with a chip on my shoulder about being black and feeling that I was lesser a person. Um, I didn't see my color as an obstacle. I didn't see my color as a challenge because I didn't see color. If I see a person, I saw the person. I didn't see whether they're black, Indian, or anything else. And I believe that everybody saw the world through the same lenses as I did. So I was never looking over my shoulder thinking I didn't get that job because of my color. I didn't get that degree because of my color. I, I just didn't see that. I never used that as an excuse for not getting to where I want to get to. But in saying that, I acknowledge that it is a very real um, what we face in our community. Racism is not just white on black, black on black, racist to each other. Um, so, but I, my background, my upbringing, I had a very, very, very good one in my upbringing. Uh, like I said, I was at boarding school from the age of seven, um, which was a privileged background. And I never had any issues there. There was a lot of the people who were black in my boarding school were affluent blacks, um, presidents, children, affluent West, End, West African, Zambians. So I didn't know it was only when I left the world at large and I started to see everybody that I realized that we were actually very, very lucky to be in schools like that. I grew up that I didn't know any different. So I now was able to understand and appreciate the reason why I didn't see some of those racism that everybody saw because I was in an artificial cocooned environment, which boarding school created for me. You know, it protected us so much that we didn't see the world. We lived in you know, stately homes, we had the matrons, we had the cooks, we had the chef, we had the driver that picked us up and we were followed everywhere with a nanny. So until I was like 13, 14, I never had an experience called racism, never in my life. But when I was able to start university, when I was out in the world or into the workplace, that's when I used to see it from even insults from people who shout at me or I heard it was subtly mentioned in conversation that's when I was like oh my god what's what's their problem what's their problem you know <laughs> mm -hmm. so I was by that time I had matured in my self-confidence and I was very strong in myself so I wasn't 
I wasn't affected in any way. But I know that some, some people have suffered it from a very young age and in some societies it's just been oppression all their lives. So it's, it's been a form of abuse that I haven't been able to come out of that. But I was um, very lucky that I, I didn't see much of it growing up. But when I was about 16, when I came out of boarding school from 13, 14, 15, 16, and I became exposed to university life and the working life, I definitely started to see what racism really was. Yeah. So uh, very right. I mean, uh, for some very few, it, your environment um, kind of does not make you feel you are an outcast in any way because everybody was acceptable and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's good to know. Thank you for sharing that background. I know you've been doing a lot of collaboration in the black community and stuff. Um, one of the things I observe or I've seen over time is um, one of the reasons black businesses don't do as well is because they don't collaborate together. And um, you've, you've, you've put quite a lot of people together to talk about property, to invest in property. I know it's not limited to that and stuff. But how do you think the black community could start empowering themselves, empowering the next generation by pulling together, by collaboration. What would you suggest? What do you think might be the way forward? It's it's a shame that we don't get enough um, collaborations amongst our community. And I'm thinking in my mind that there's going to be an awakening, if there isn't one now, um, of why we are suffering the way we are suffering. Because... I firmly believe that if we come together, we have the keys to the city. You know, that's my firm belief. So I do think that I'm beginning to see that, especially some WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups, they're, they're there specifically to bring like-minded black, black entrepreneurs and businesses together. I'm seeing more of them around with blacks on blacks, and black supporting women or black supporting men. I'm beginning to see an emergence of, that sort of thing happening. And yeah, well overdue. So I support it. I think it's great. And and yeah, long may it live. That's very true. Uh, uh, I think in the last few months, I'm um, following on from recent events around um, Black Monty Street that went past and even before then, um, the outcry about Black Lives Matter there is definitely a lot more happening in that zone. And um, as you said, rightly said, I've been in different groups, I've been in different uh, WhatsApp, Facebook and stuff. So I think, I mean, just to nail that, really, um, the first level of collaboration that people should start thinking about is creating the platform to actually get together. Um, just sharing simple things in a... Facebook page or WhatsApp page could be where people are starting to understand themselves and starting to pull resources together to then make a decision on investments or whatever it is or collaborate on projects or collaborate on ideas and stuff. So it's quite interesting that when I'm on Facebook and a lot of people just come to say, I need a recommendation. Is there any black person doing this stuff and stuff? So that's quite, it's quite a good thing to see. And um, in all fairness, I've seen if a lot of inflow from just that um, happening. So like you said, long may it live. So I think the key thing, a lot of uh, collaboration would, would move the community um, further ahead. 
and mm. um, the next generation will be in a better position because uh, it's important for us to see where we are now, but think mm. about the next generation as well. What platform are we providing for them, for them to stand on? So that would make a big difference. Like you said, if everybody was in a privileged environment like you, you didn't notice anything called racism until you left school because you were fortunate enough to be in, in a privileged school. If people have that situation, then it might not be something that affects them psychologically. But I know quite a lot of people have been affected by the um, racial abuse and everything they've sure. gone through. So that's quite an important thing. So if people have more resources, they might be able to do more. They might be able to channel their children to a better lifestyle. So thank you Absolutely. for sharing that. I know we've taken so much of your time, and I know, like you said, mm -hmm. we have definitely been doing overtime, um, extra time, and <laughs> anything we can think about. So this is um, this is very late in the night, and I don't want to take um, take that for granted. Really appreciate you for coming on here. Um, really appreciate you leading on your platform as well, because the more platform we see the better for the community in general. And that's why I am so passionate about contributing my, my part to this. So um, we've talked about how people can join you. We've, um, we've lived out in the show notes and all of everything else for them to connect with you. Um, even if it's just to have a 15 minutes conversation, might, might be the life changer for some people. So I would highly recommend sure. that for anybody listening. Um, what final words would you like to leave um, community with what are the key things you want them to focus on to move their life forward um to do great things you need to connect with great people that are doing great things yeah definitely so i think put put in a different word where people might kind of you might have seen this so many times your network determines your net worth. So mm -hmm. um, people you surround yourself with matters. And they'll say mm -hmm. the five people that you associate with kind of will determine your paycheck. So mm -hmm. that that is that is a way to see. And um, mm -hmm. so getting mentorship, getting into your desired place where you feel you can learn with people will be a good step forward. So um, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for giving thank people you. the opportunity to have access to your network. I hope some people reach out to you. I hope some people call you. And um, even if it's just by start watching on your YouTube channel, we'll include that in the show notes as well, if that's okay. And sure. Yeah, so people can start collaborating. People can start moving forward. And together, we can go better. We can grow more wealthy. And we can grow our lifestyle the way we want to, not the way the society dictates us to do. And we can leave the generation ahead. We can leave them in a better position. So really appreciate your time. And um, I'm sure we would have you again. I'm sure we would find a way to collaborate again as well. So uh, watch out for this space. We'd never know. So. <laughs> Thank you again. Really Thank you. Sophie. You're doing a great job. I support and endorse what you're doing. And I'd like to encourage everybody to follow uh, Deji's progress as he goes to the stars uh, with this amazing platform that teaches people how to make money, how to grow money within the black community 
a great initiative. Congratulations to you, Deji. Continue the passion, continue the drive. Don't give up. We're with you all the way. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. You too. Now that you've enjoyed the Black Money Talks podcast, what are you going to do differently? Remember, dreams without actions leads to frustrations. Decisions decide destiny. Make your decision count now. Be the game changer. Make the shift. The world will celebrate you. Join our community to connect with other game changers. Build your network and your network together. Subscribe so you don't miss out on a life-changing episode. Lastly, live more wealthy, happier and a fulfilled lifestyle. Leave your mark on this world. Leave your legacy. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe and join your host, DJ Nehan, on the next podcast. Don't miss out.